My name is Dustin, and welcome to the Earthian Podcast, where I explore the everyday stories, emotions, and realities that make up the human experience as we know it on Earth. Today's guest lives in San Francisco, California. He's the type of person that's smiling every time you see him. Before this conversation, we had hung out plenty of times, but we had never gotten the chance to sit down and really talk on a personal level. So I asked him if I could give him a call. What followed was a conversation that completely shifted my perspective. I realized that you can never fully understand somebody's life and the extent of their experiences until you ask. Today in our conversation, we talk about anger. We talk about family and the trauma that persists through our entire lives starting from childhood. And ultimately, we talk about perspective. This is my conversation with Daniel Bay. How was your relationship with your parents growing up? Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't the smoothest for sure. It's not like your typical Asian family, you know. Mm. Like, uh, and I also wasn't like your typical Asian kid, you know. Like, uh, my parents split when I was around ten. Um, and then my dad moved out. He he left for my old stepmom and then she passed and then so i was living with my mom up until high school and i got kicked out so i went to live with my dad for a bit up through college so it was like i got to know i was raised by my mom and then i got to know my dad through high school to college and then my dad's cold as fuck, dude. He his dad died hella young, so he doesn't really know how to be a father, you know. Mm-hmm. So he would show his love in like the weird ways where he just makes sure that you have enough eat to eat, you have enough money, and like you know shit like that, like typical Asian dad stuff. So yeah, but yeah, but um, yeah, man. I don't, I don't know. I'm still trying to figure out why. Actually, I figured out why why I'm so upset with them, but it's more of figuring out now at this stage of life, you know, how to come to terms with that and accept them and let go of the anger and shit, you know, like just typical things that everybody has to deal with, you know? Yeah. What about you? Like, have you made, you know, are you still angry at your parents? Oh, man. Um... And what and what and what are you angry about, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, um, I think I can answer the second question first. I think a lot of the things that I'm angry about involve the the level of control that they try to have over my life, <clears throat> mm. and I think it's less so now because you know I'm I'm grown. I make my own money. Like, I don't live with them. <laughs> That's right. You got your own house. That's I'm right. I-N-D-E-P. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I think growing up, that was, like, the biggest thing. I mean, it's a, it's a lot of things, right? Like, it's not just one one thing. But, yeah, growing up, uh, I think my dad, how you describe your dad, is probably similar to how my dad was. Um, I mean, and... I I think the moment that it kind of shifted cuz I grew up and I I like I didn't like my dad at all. Like we had a terrible relationship up until I was 
like around maybe 27, 28. So just a few years ago. Um, but the thing that changed it, I remember one time uh, he was complaining to me about how my brother was complaining to him or kept bringing up the fact that he beat us growing up. Your and, brother was saying that. Yeah, my brother was saying that to my dad. Like he would bring it up, you know, as a counter argument to something. And my dad was just at telling me, like, why, why does your brother keep saying this? And I said, because you, you did. Because <laughs> <And, laughs> you beat the shit out of us, yeah. Yeah, because you beat us growing up. And he said that when he was growing up, he first, he didn't grow up with his parents. He didn't grow up with his family. He grew up with his aunt um, because they couldn't afford to raise him. This is in Vietnam. And uh, his aunt used to beat him so bad that he would wake up like a day later. Holy shit. So, bro. yeah. So the, what his, in his mind, what he was doing by beating us less than he did, like that he got beat, he said that he was improving on his life. So, and when he told me that, it kind of blew my mind because like, there's nothing that I had to, you know, compare my experience to. But he was raising me based on his own experience. And, you know, based on his experience, he was doing better than his parents and his family did and how he got raised. So, like, when I realized that, it it gave me a different perspective. And it also, you know, created the space where I could talk to him about that and we could have a conversation about um, our, our subjective experiences uh, together, but in a way that we could both understand each other. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was like one of those moments in my life that I'll, I'll never forget. Like it's just, it's super important to me because then that makes me look at other people too and think like, like they live a totally different experience that I, I don't know anything about. So it just kind of gives you that perspective. Yeah, man, that, that really does give perspective, you know, like I'm still like kind of shook by that because now it just gives context to everything, you know, and once something has context, it, it can be, it, it can mean something completely different, you know? Yeah. That's crazy. You know, I, uh, it's funny that you, you told me that story about your dad because I can kind of relate, man. Like, um, how he was beat by his aunt. Like, um, I wasn't physically beat by my aunt, but I spent a good, like, three years of my life living with her when I was growing up. And, like, so, wait, you should know the backstory to this. So, so, right before my parents split, um, me and my sister were taken into foster care for a couple months. How old were you? I think I was, like, eight. Well, how old are you when you're in third grade? Third grade, like, eight or nine, probably. Yeah, I was, like, yeah. I was around there. And it was for like three or four months. Um, but after that, so long story short, the reason why I didn't stay in foster care was because my aunt took us in. So we could be with family. But by this point, my family was like typical of like a Korean family. Like everybody hated each other. 
<laughs> so yeah, dude, straight up, man. So my aunt would, my aunt who took us in, who is my dad's sister, would just fucking take out all of her anger towards my dad on me. So like, and I think that really did shape who I am for the better and for the worse. But like, I remember just sitting at the dinner table and like, out of nowhere, she just starts screaming at me, dude. And like, shit like that, dude. But yeah. Yeah. What? Um. Damn, that's a lot. What is? That's That's a lot like that you went through as a kid. But I mean, it's all relative, man. Like, you know, everyone's experience, like their memory of their worst experience is going to be the most painful, regardless of whether it was really that. You know what I mean? Like somebody who grew up in like a rich family that was still together and stuff like their worst memory, which is maybe Barbara being too drunk or something. You know, It's going to be as painful as mine, you know, so. That's the Definitely. way I look at things, you know, where I, at least I try to because, yeah. How I, I'm curious, like what I'm what I'm trying to process right now is like, I think when you grow up in a family uh, with people that are adults and you're like a kid who depends on them, you you kind of feel protected by them, right? Like did you felt protected by your aunt? Is that, mm. is that true to say or no? No. No, not at all. No, not even not even by my own parents to a certain extent or at a certain time, mm. you know. I was thinking about this the other day, actually. Like, it's important as a kid to feel safe and secure. You know, that's, like, literally one of the basic needs, you know. Um, yeah. But I think that's why I'm so upset with my mom because she never really made me feel safe you know if anything i had to make her feel safe mm. and i had to you know figure out the solution to problems so like yeah like after i would say after third grade i didn't ever really feel safe bro which is weird saying but yeah how do you think that has played out in your life I'm always looking over my shoulder even today, you know. I I'm kind of paranoid. <laughs> you mean you mean like literally um for your for your physical safety or or uh, like financial or what? I I'm not I wouldn't say financial cuz I'm pretty fucking reckless, dude. Well, I was <laughs> like but I've been better lately um especially after I lost my last job, but um yeah, I just never feel safe. That's why, like, I don't enjoy clubbing. I don't like being in large places uh, with a lot of people. Um, unless I'm, like, shit-faced drunk. That's why you're shit-faced drunk. Um, and, yeah, I just I just never high, high anxiety, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of people suffer from that, but I think that's where mine stems from, you know? But I could be wrong. Because we're all still figuring it out, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, when you... Do you remember your time in foster care? I do. I, I remember bits and pieces. What was that like? It was... If I had to 
put it plainly, it was it was the most terrifying time of my life, but it was also one of the funnest. Huh. And I, that's it's a weird juxtaposition, but it was it was terrifying because like I had no fucking idea what was going on at all. I remember being pulled out of class. I remember it was like school was almost over and I was super excited because I was a fat kid and my mom was making <laughs> tacos that night. And I still think about this. Like she was making tacos that night. So I was super excited. And then all of a sudden I'm called into the office and they, they take me to the station. And then it's nighttime. They drive me for like hours and hours and hours. And it's hella late, so everyone's asleep, but they put me on this bunk bed and I just see like two other bunk beds and there's boys sleeping in them. And I'm just like, what the fuck is going on? So I just, they put me there, they didn't tell me anything, and I go to sleep. I wake up the next morning and I have, literally, I have f- three boys just staring at me. Like, I'm on the second bunk. I woke up and there's just three strangers that I have no idea who I've never seen just looking at me. And so like that, in that sense, it was terrifying. Like I didn't know what was going to happen, but it was also a lot of fun because when you're a kid, when you're eight, nine years old and you're with like four or five other nine-year-olds, what are you going to, you're going to play all day, you know? So like we read, I remember wrestling um, I remember eating, like, American food all the time, like, deep fried shit. It was great. <laughs> and then, but, yeah, and then again, it was also terrifying, like, not knowing what the hell is going on or who these people are and, you know, not understanding why you can't go home, stuff like that. So you weren't, you weren't, um, you weren't aware of what was happening? No, it wasn't until... Until my aunt pulled us out where oh, she wow. explained everything. They explained everything. And yeah, maybe it's because I was a, a kid and I didn't understand what the adults were saying. But I didn't know what was going on the whole time. But I was lucky, though. Honestly, it was a blessing because my foster parents were really sweet. They yeah. were good people in it for the right reasons. And uh, there were no, like, they weren't, there wasn't any abuse or anything like that, which is very common in right. these foster houses. How would you describe yourself as a child? Um, before that, I was like, I was the kids, the parents at church didn't like me because I was the troublemaker. You know, I had ADHD and I'd be running around doing stupid shit, you know, playing with guns and Nerf guns and stuff. But then after that, after that whole thing, I got a lot more tame, like I got good grades in school. It was fucking weird. I got good <laughs> grades in school. <laughs> and at church, I was like, I was a lot more calm. I was always trying to do what the teacher told me. It was, it was really fucking weird. What, what changed? And now that I'm talking about it, I think it was, I thought that if I was better, if I was, if I behaved better, they, I would get to stay, you know, with my mom. Mm. I would get to stay you know, my friends and stuff like that. Um, but 
I'm just saying that because that's what it sounds that that's what it seems like now that I'm talking about it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. right. I never really like worked this shit out of my head. Yeah. Man, how how do you go about like processing all of this? I mean, you you're talking about you're talking about processing um what you're going through right now, like literally right now. Yeah. Like how do you process how do you what's your process for for processing things? All right, so my routine is a bowl of OG Kush and then a Jameson <laughs> no, I'm just fine. Now I mean that does help, but no, it's there's a difference. So I don't know in you tell me how you feel about it. Like mm. shit like this, you know, like job and like security and stuff like that. Shit that happens to us when we're older, we're way more well equipped to deal with it, you know? And there's mm-hmm. things that we can actually do. We have control to like change our situation currently. But when it comes to shit like that, bro, like and I'm a lot of people do this. I mean, I'm going to ask you if you do this too, but like, you just kind of like block it out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like for me, I just don't think about it. And like when I try to get into it, I just, I don't know. I can't, you know, like, yeah. do you, do you do that same? Do you do the same thing? You know, man, as a, as a 20 year old, I couldn't process things, you know? Like, I would, um, I mean, as a kid, definitely I couldn't, I, I just, like, blocked it out or tried to ignore it or, or be alone. But um, as an as a young adult, like, 20s to 30s, I mean, I basically drank and smoked to cope. <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, like, I mean, I was not a mature 20-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> I was just trying to black out every weekend. Um, I mean, when you're 20, yeah. Yeah. I remember, so th- th- I think this is like a, a kind of in- interesting story that applies. Um, so I dated a, my first girlfriend when I was 19 to 21. We broke mm-hmm. up when I was 21. And when, when it broke up, I got the advice that I should just find the one reason that to hate her and use that to get over her. And and it worked. So I, I you know, found a reason to hate her. And I used that hate to... And, you know, when you're angry, you feel kind of empowered. Yeah. So I just felt angry. And I took that out. And I, that's when I got drunk a lot. And then um, with my second girlfriend, uh, I was 24, 25. And we dated for a couple of years. And when that when I broke up with her. Um, so when we broke up, I decided that I wanted to get through the breakup uh, with love. So I decided like, instead of trying to find a way to hate her, I decided to love her while trying to process my emotions and go through it. And that was like a, a, a huge shift in how I handled my emotions um, up until that point. And I think that set the pattern for like how I, how I process my emotions now. I'm really curious on what, like how you actually do that because like, first off that, that find that one thing that you hate and focus on that. That's genius. When you're 20 (laughs) years old, when you're 20 years old, that's genius because it will work. But I'm really curious on how you actually do that because 
Well, first off, like, did she break up with you? She broke up with me. And were you heartbroken? Were you heartbroken? Yeah, I was heartbroken. How did you get over that through this positivity? And like, is it just kind of like accepting it and for what it is? And just like, yeah. And yeah, uh, please explain because I really want to understand that. I, uh, so I think when you find a reason, like the first time when I found a reason to hate my ex girlfriend, um, I was, I was ignoring how I really felt and empowering myself because I didn't know how to process it. But the second time, uh, I dove in deeper to all the emotions. So like all the pain that I felt, the loneliness, um, the depression, like lack of hope, all that. I just dove deeper and like felt everything as much as I could for as long as I could. Um, and that was hard as fuck. Yeah, man. Like, it's not an easy process. That sounds painful. But yeah, it's painful. It's super painful. But I feel like that's what it's supposed to be. Like, it's not supposed to be... You're not supposed to just get over stuff. Like, you're supposed to experience things, you know, and feel things. That's kind of how you get it out of your system. Like, that's how I see it. I never thought of it that way. Yeah. I feel like... I just, I don't want to experience or dwell on that so much that, like you said, I, I just instinctually react with anger a lot of the time or just bury it really deep. But obviously that doesn't solve the issue. You know, it's going to come back up. Yeah. Man. Life will teach you lessons until you understand the yeah. lesson. That's what <laughs> that I've is, learned. It's <laughs> so fucking true, man. That's so true. What? What did you want to be when you grew up? Um, I wanted to be a basketball player or I wanted to design shoes. I, it's really funny because, um, up until I decided to go to CCA, I did not, uh, I totally forgot that I wanted to design shoes. And then I was going through my sketches one day or like just old shit from when I was a kid. And I saw these sketches that I used to draw as a kid of like collabs between Jordan and Adidas or like Nike and Adidas or Reebok and Nike. And uh, I was reminded and fucking went to CCA for that. Switched around a couple of times, but yeah, that's what I wanted to be. That's interesting. Uh, when did you drew the shoes initially? How, how old were you? I was, I was uh, probably around 13, 14. They were just, like, straight up on binder paper, you know, during class and shit. But looking yeah. back on them, they weren't bad, man. <laughs> I would like to think they weren't bad at all. <laughs> what about you, man? I saw you, I saw the pictures of you dipped out in, in fucking Jordans and, like, <laughs> Nike, you know what I'm saying? Like, what do you mean, when I was a kid? Yeah, what did you want to be? I was the same as you. I, I think when I was, like... Uh, kindergarten, first grade. I always, I always drew like, I always like to make up things. So I, I drew like rocket shoes and you know like typical kid stuff. That's dope though. Um, <laughs> yeah, I read this book, uh, uh, this like fictional book. I think it's called the, the Invisible Bike Shop or something like that. And it was about Leonardo da Vinci. And after I read that book, he was I was like his biggest fan. <laughs> and I wanted to be just like him, bro. 
but then, you know, life gets in the way and other dreams, other people's dreams kind of like influence you. Uh, and yeah, same thing with you. Like I changed my dreams. I, I worked in a different career for a while. And then eventually I got so sick of it that I, I, I rediscovered art. Nice. Yeah. How did you rediscover it? Like what, what did you, what was that moment like? Um, I was, so I was in, I was going to become a psychologist. I was in community college and I was super into it, super into psychology. And then mm. I realized two things. One, I, I wasn't a good student, so I couldn't go to, like, go on to graduate school. I didn't want to. And two, I realized that I couldn't leave uh, the emotions at work. I can separate my emotions in work. So, and that's one of the most important things if you're going to be dealing with, like, uh, kids and stuff like that in um, in the system. Like, you can't be emotionally invested or you'll just break. It'll just break you, you know? So that's right. when I realized that I couldn't do it. So, and um, my best friend was going to CCA, actually. He was going to CCA and I had a bunch of friends that were like artists and stuff. And I didn't even know what design was. Like I didn't, ha I had no understanding of the profession whatsoever. I didn't know that people, like, I, I guess I, I forgot about it. I wouldn't say I, I didn't know, but I forgot that design existed. And as mm -hmm. soon as he told me what he was doing, I was like, you know, maybe I can do this. And I kept on thinking about it, kept on thinking about it thinking about like what I w would want my every day to be like. And um, I was like, if I'm going to work hard for something, might as well do something I like where it can be creative and there is some job security and you can make money. So pick design, but uh, yeah. What, what, uh, what did you think design was before you came to school? And then what do you, what do you know about it now? I thought that design was just like this mad genius, you know, like this tormented artist, you know, who s slaves away in a studio every day. And, and then all of a sudden, you know, he just like, like a light bulb, he just figures it out and it, it's the one, you know? Right. And then, and I, and I, I was a firm believer in either you're born with it or you're not, you know? And I was convinced that I had what it took. And um, after, I would say, I realized this way after art school, to be honest, man. I realized that it's a process. It's just like, you have to take this long process to get to a good end result, you know? Yeah. And it you don't necessarily need to be the most talented person. It's about perseverance, about developing your skills, developing your eye. And just a lot of fucking hard work. There's no, there's no shortcut. You know, sometimes you will, you know, that first iteration or that first ideation page, you'll find the design of it, you know. But most times it's not like that. It's this long, or it's this process that you have to take. It doesn't have to be long. Yeah, definitely. And once you understand the process, it feels like, it feels like almost anybody could do it if they were to put a time in. Yeah. Yeah, anyone could do it, you know. Obviously, it's not always going to be good. And you can see that in the products, you know, in any 
in any category today, but necessarily it's not the best designer that always makes the best product. It definitely not, you know, which is fucking crazy. Most often I think it's the hardest working or the most collective or the cleverest. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, it depends to, I mean, that question, I feel like there's, there's, there's more to look at like fashion or electronics or shoes, you know, it kind of differs along that, but generally speaking, that's what, that's what I think. What about you? I found that, I, I found that, um, the best communicators are the ones that get their designs through. So you could have a great design, but if you can't communicate it well, and that means like speaking well, means writing well, means doing graphics in a way that communicates it, like you're not going to get your design through, even if it's the best one. You know what? Yeah, that's a good one, dude. That's actually true. Yeah. Because you got to convince. That's actually, now that you said that, you have to, it's not, you can have the strongest design, but if you don't communicate to that, you don't communicate that to the people in charge your your design is never gonna get through is that kind of what you mean yeah exactly yep you have to convince your team you have to convince your boss you have to convince not like all other stakeholders right yeah and there's also other parts to that it's about like it's also the way you hold yourself the way you present yourself you know do they have confidence in you you know like if mm-hmm. you can be a great yeah. designer, but if, and you can kind of, you can be good at communicating, but if they don't think that your, I guess your opinion is valid, they're not going to go with it, you know? Yeah, definitely. So I think anyone that knows you knows that you love fashion. Um, so when you think about fashion from uh, the point of consuming fashion and wearing fashion, and then from the point of creating fashion and designing fashion, what is it about fashion that pulls you in, that excites you? Um, well, first off, I, would, I wouldn't say I love... Or what do you mean by fashion, though? You know? What do I mean by fashion? Yeah. Uh, like clothing, uh, shoes, anything that you wear. Okay. Yeah, yeah, no. I, I, I like... And I, I do love like clothing and I love shoes um, themselves. But when I, it's the reason why I ask, because when people say fashion, it like, I think of the industry and like this whole system, you know, mm-hmm. and I absolutely hate that. I think, I mean, it's, it's terrible for the environment. It's wasteful. It's all profit driven, which I mean, I, you know, it's a business. Everything's a business. Everything needs to make money. But yeah, I'm not a fan of like the industry or the system, but um, I'm not going to lie. I'll be a part of it. You know, I love it. I love clothes and I love shoes <laughs> enough to where I'll put up with all the bullshit, you know, all the deadlines and stuff yeah. like that. But um, I'm sorry. What was your question again, man? Like this? No, like, like what, what pulls you in about fashion? Like what, I guess, and I under, I totally understand the thing about the fashion industry and in general, just like producing products, like physical products. There's so much waste and, you know, pointless design out there. But if you think about like just the articles of clothing themselves, like pants, hats, shirts, shoes, socks, underwear, like what, what do you like about that? 
because I, I mean i can look if we compare me and you it's obvious that you care about what you wear more than i do i don't know i mean you you're just a lot more simple you know what i mean you're more you got your essentials down and you stick to your color palette you know um yeah. i that's a good question though i think the shoes thing definitely starts with when i was growing up you know I'm sure you wanted that pair of Jordans growing up, you know, like mm -hmm. <laughs> it reminds you of your childhood. It reminds you of playing of just like carefree playing outside. I played a lot of basketballs growing up. So like that's where the love of shoes was started for me anyways. Mm, right. What are you um? what are you excited about right now? Excited about? Uh, I would say fuck dude to be honest not much i'm more anxious if, if anything like i was gonna say excited for this shelter in place to be over but yeah i kind of like i kind of like it because for very selfish reasons but i mean you're just like you're just doing your own thing you know in your house and it does suck but at the same time it's kind of like cheating almost it's like it's like a pause on life you know what i mean yeah definitely which is i think i definitely needed it um but yeah it's not as bad as it sounds when i say i'm not excited about anything it's just kind of like <laughs> i know because that sounds fucking terrible but <laughs> i think it's also it's just this last two weeks bro with my grandma passing and everything it should have been a lot so like I've been just trying to get through it, you know? Like, yeah. I haven't really been, like, slowed down to, like, process shit. Which is, which I will do. Which I will get to. Probably tomorrow in this coming week. What are you excited yeah. about? I'm excited about, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see what comes next. I don't know. I mean, maybe that's a bad thing. No, nah, I think that's a good thing. Like, comes next in terms of, like, how the world's going to change from all this stuff? Yeah. I'm actually I'm curious about that. But go on, I'm sorry. No, um, I feel like, I feel like, I mean, I appreciate the time right now, but I'm also, like, excited to get past this time. You know what I mean? Yeah. I guess now that you say that, like, I'm excited for change. I'm ready for things to change, man. Mm-hmm. Same, man. All right. Last question. You ready? Yeah. So we as humans put up statues of people, uh, not because we love those people, but because we love what those people represent. So when you pass on from this life and the world puts up a statue of you, uh, where would you want to put that statue? And what would you want that statue to represent? Bro, that's a fucking that's such a fucking heavy <laughs> question, dude. I would definitely want that statue. Either in, I would probably want it here, in SF. Um, and I, I don't know why the first thing that comes to mind is, the first thing that comes to my mind is I want to empower other kids that were like me. Um, well, that means Asian. Um, growing up in america and like not having 
all the privileges that everybody else has growing up, you know? And that it's kind of like that underdog story, you know? I want that to be the symbol and the reminder for others. That being said, I mean, obviously, I'm still the underdog, but we're talking the future, you know? That you can make it and just like, uh, just, um, just inspiration in that sense that no matter what happens, you know, whatever life throws at you, that you can still like put yourself together and be successful. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you or someone you know would be interested in being interviewed for the Earthian podcast, reach out to us on Instagram at we are Earthian. And of course, please make sure to subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening on. Thank you and have a beautiful day.